In the early years of the GAA, there was a vogue for naming hurling and football clubs in honour of John Mitchell. He was a famous 19th century Irish nationalist, the reason his name was so celebrated, but we now know he was also an enthusiastic racist, an extreme advocate of the slaveholding cause. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, is it time for the GAA to remove the name of a fanatical racist from its clubs? I talked to Irish Times columnist Fintan O'Toole. Fintan, in your column, you wrote about the news that Trinity College, Dublin, has decided to take the name of the great 18th century philosopher George Berkeley off its main library because... On his US property, he was, in the language of the time, a slave owner. He enslaved five African people. And you say, you kick off with Berkeley, but actually it's not about, your column isn't about Berkeley, it's about John Mitchell. And you say it's time for the GAA to rename some of its clubs that have been called after John Mitchell. They should be renamed. Why? Yeah, I mean, I think the George Berkeley um, process in Trinity was actually a very interesting one if you look at it and you read the documents that they produced and the, the process they went through. It actually wasn't very hotly contested or bitter, you know. Uh, it was very thoughtful and engaged and scholarly and, you know, actually thought about who Berkeley was. And they made it clear that Berkeley's not being cancelled, you know, he's going to be still taught as a philosopher and people will still look at his work and his life. But just that it wasn't really appropriate to have a library, which is, you know, a centre of learning and value named after somebody who not only bought and sold human beings, but also, I think much more importantly, you know, was a very influential justifier of slavery. And so it, I, I thought it was an interesting case because a lot of the stuff gets kind of caught up into culture wars, you know, and, and actually it can be done in a reasonably sensitive, consensual way to think about these names. And... It did strike me, though, that there's a more difficult one, right? Because, frankly, I don't think most Irish people know very much about George Berkeley. You know, he's not a sort of big figure in uh, Irish mm. mythology, whereas John Mitchell is. Right? So, so Mitchell is a sort of Irish national hero in the sense of being a very important figure in the Irish national struggle. Um, he's one of the key figures really in the development of I suppose, what we might call the Fenian tradition in the 19th century. Uh, you know, pre-Fenian, he's involved in the 1848 rising. He's transported to Australia. He escapes from Australia and then he goes to America. And he's a very, very famous figure in the whole development of Irish nationalism in the 19th century. Hugely admired. There's a statue of him in Newry, for example, uh, which is where he's from. And there was a big vogue in the late 19th century, so shortly after the foundation of the GAA, for naming hurling and football clubs after him, you know, because he was this big figure. Which you can understand. Yeah, so, and, and this, this survives, you know. So to my knowledge, just trying to look at it, I think there's, there's roughly 10 to a dozen GAA clubs that are still named John Mitchell's or Mitchell's, you know, or some, some variant of it, but named after him. And the problem with Mitchell is that Mitchell was a thoroughgoing, extreme racist, um, you know, a, a completely fanatically committed to the cause of slavery. And again, it's not so much that he was a slaveholder or a slave owner, it's that he was a really important propagandist for slavery. You know, the, this is a guy who almost kind of goes out of his way to identify himself with the cause of chattel slavery, of the subjugation of other human beings, and to do so on the basis that they, they're not like us, they're not fully human, they don't 
you know, African people are not of the same kind of standing as Irish people or Americans. And therefore they, it's not just that they deserve to be enslaved, but that it's almost like a good thing for them because they're really not capable of, of leading any other kind of life. And remember, he, he has no dog in this fight, right? It's, it's not like he's a Southern gentleman, you know, with, with a big plantation. You know, he goes to the South. He goes to Tennessee. He, you know, he passionately identifies himself with this cause. And he does so as well. I think that there's a bit of Irish context, which I didn't have time to go into in a short column, you know, but Mitchell grew up politically as a follower of Daniel O'Connell. So Daniel O'Connell is the great figure of Irish resistance in the 19th, early 19th century, Catholic emancipation, but also home rule, all those kind of things. You know, he kind of creates Irish democracy in a lot of ways. And Mitchell is an early uh, follower of O'Connell, but breaks with O'Connell because he thinks O'Connell isn't um, violent enough, essentially. But what you've got to really understand, because you get a lot of stuff now with saying, oh, well, Mitchell was a man of his time. You know, well, no, he bloody well wasn't. I mean, O'Connell was a passionate anti-slaver. Uh, O'Connell argued against, uh, wrote against, fought against the institution of slavery. O'Connell brought over the great Frederick Douglass, the escaped slave who became a really crucial leader for African-Americans. O'Connell brought him over in the 1840s to Ireland. I mean, Mitchell would have been in Ireland when the great Frederick Douglass was touring Ireland and speaking, you know. So the idea somehow that Mitchell, you know, just didn't know that slavery was wrong, you know, uh, even in an Irish context or that he was naive about it, uh, just, just doesn't wash. He very deliberately goes against that O'Connell-like tradition uh, of saying that the Irish should be free, Catholics should be free, because everybody should be free, because, you know, this is about human rights and equality. And Mitchell really founds a tradition of Irish nationalism, which is very different, which says it's not about equality. It's about the fact that the Irish should not be subjugated because we are white. And this is really why we have to deal with the legacy of Mitchell, because, of course, this stuff is still very, very current on the far right in Ireland and in Irish America. Do we know why he became such a racist? It's a great question, and I don't absolutely know the answer. I suspect there are maybe two things. One is that he sets himself up as the anti-O'Connell. I think the O'Connell factor is really big in it, so maybe it's kind of daddy issues. You know, O'Connell is the father of you know, Irish oppositional politics in the 19th century. And that's where Mitchell comes into Irish politics, you know, as as a follower of O'Connell. And then he decides, you know, in breaking with O'Connell, he wants to break with pretty much everything about O'Connell, you know. And one is O'Connell's nonviolence. Um, Mitchell becomes a very, um, you know, very much in favour of, of violence. And the other is this thing that everybody associates with O'Connell, which is O'Connell's anti-racism. So I think there's an element of just saying, well, O'Connell's an anti-racist, I'm going to be a racist, you know, in his own head. But I think it really comes uh, to the fore in the Jail Journal, which is the hugely influential book that he wrote, which is a sort of record of his imprisonment and uh, and transportation to Australia. And there's a weird moment in that book where uh, he's being transported to Australia uh, as a prisoner and they stop, the ship has to stop in Brazil to reprovision. And he sees for the first time, he's never seen slaves, you see. So, you, you know, you know he's, he's in no direct contact with this. And he sees black slaves in Brazil. Now, anybody who knows about the history of slavery in Brazil, it's hideous. You know, it's even worse than, than in North America. But he writes in the jail journal, I saw these slaves and they looked perfectly happy and healthy to me. 
you know, I, I don't know what, you know, basically, I don't know what the problem is. Um, you know, obviously, this is this is the way black people should be. And, and sure, they're perfectly happy with it. What's the problem? And it's a weird moment. You know, why introduce this into a narrative of Irish nationalist martyrology, which it really is about his own suffering. And I think it may well be to do with the fact that, of course, when he starts on this perception, he is himself almost in the position of being like a slave. He's being transported across the Atlantic, you know, the Middle Passage, the infamous Middle Passage that so many millions of slaves had to endure. Uh, he's doing that himself as an Irishman and as an Irish patriot. And I think rather than saying I identify with those other um, enslaved and imprisoned and kidnapped people, I think it makes him feel better. It makes him feel better about his own humiliation, his own imprisonment, that he is superior to these people, you know, that there's a system in the world, uh, which says, well, those black people are inferior and I'm a white person and I'm superior. This is very often, of course, the way racism works, isn't it? You know, racism doesn't come from nowhere. It often comes from people's sense of needing to feel superior to somebody else because they are insecure about their own standing. And I suppose Mitchell, as a prisoner at that point, um, you know, has very good reason to feel insecure about his own standing and, and projects that really onto... Uh, his his view of slavery as a sort of natural way of organising the world. It's fair to say, though, too, isn't it, that when all those clubs are renamed um, after John Mitchell, they were being ma- named after John Mitchell, the nationalist hero. They maybe, and it's probably fair to say, too, that they didn't know about his racist past. Is is that fair? Oh, it is fair. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think there is any um, evidence at all that I know of that, you know, people were naming clubs in Tralee or in Castle Bar after John Mitchell, you know, because they were devoted to the Confederate cause mm. in the American Civil War or to slavery. I mean, absolutely, they were they were identifying with Mitchell as a great um, patriotic Irish figure, as a you know, one of the most influential propagandists, if I can use that word in a neutral sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a propagandist for the Irish cause. You know, he was very much admired uh, in in Ireland. And, and But that's part of our problem, isn't it, in a way? It's like so that we can kind of completely divorce our own struggle for freedom from everybody else's, you know. And I don't, I, 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 I can't speak for those GAA clubs, but, you know, I, I would be fairly sure that the vast majority of players of, you know, young girls, young boys, men, women who play in those clubs, you know, think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to be playing in a club named after a slaveholder or a, mm. a propagandist for slavery. Of course they're not. Of course not, yeah. You know. But, that's, but uh, that, that's the whole point, isn't it, in a way, which is that the process, what are, what are we doing when we're thinking about these names? You know, we're, we're thinking about the complexity of history uh, and and uh, we're thinking about the context, right? So, so. Uh, why is why does it matter now? I think it matters now because we are at a moment in history, both in Ireland, with the development of a multicultural society, and more broadly in the English-speaking world, where there is a confrontation with the legacy of slavery, uh, where it's actually completely appropriate for us now to think about what is our relationship to all that history, and, and how do we want to represent ourselves? How do we want to think about our identity in relation to all of that history now? Well, I think that you talked about, you know, complexity of meaning. And I suppose in uh, a local area, the GA club is called John Mitchell Club. John Mitchell 
now, after a hundred years of matches and seasons and games and championships and locals and all that goes with the local GA club, it means something very different to that community. It doesn't mean John, it doesn't even mean John Mitchell, the nationalist. It means John Mitchell, our local club. That's probably true, yeah, you know, but but is it more important for people in Castlebar that it's, it's the Castlebar Mitchells or that it's Castlebar? I mean, I think, you know, mm. to, be, to be honest, I, I think people's identity with the GAA is very much based around the parish and the county and, and the location, you know, and the community rather than what it's named. And remember, um, you know, there were a lot more John Mitchell clubs in the past than there are now, right? So a lot yeah. of clubs who were called after Mitchell have changed their names just for different reasons. Yeah. You know, do people who are playing in that club now identify with it less because it's no longer called John Mitchell's? No, no, I mean, absolutely not. So, you know, names change all the time. Um, there, there, there's a reason why some, something is, ne- is given a particular name at a p- particular time. And there's a good reason why it might be given a different name at a different time. You know, we don't need to get sort of so fetishized about what things are called that we can't, you know, engage in a, a an interesting open discussion. And yeah. I, I would stress here, you see, w- one of the things that's that's m- motivating me for writing that column, you know, is is my huge admiration for what the GAA has done over the last 20 years in Ireland. I think it's very hard to overstate the extent to which the GAA has been a hugely positive force for integration. The GAA instinctively opened its arms to particularly kids coming in from whatever backgrounds, you know, from whatever ethnicity, um, and just said, you're welcome, you know, come and play our games. I'm not saying there hasn't been racism and there's been some appalling racist incidents recently with Lee Chin, for example, the, the Wexford hurling captain being being racially abused. But the point is that those incidents stand out because they're not the norm and because, in fact, the GA has, well, the very fact that, you know, Wexford's hurling captain, for example, is called Lee Chin, you know, is an example of how the GAA has 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 uh, been such a good force for change, and this is why this issue is very relevant now, right? So, in the nineteen fifties, did it matter as much that a club was called after a, a racist? No. Does it matter in twenty twenty three that a GAA club, which probably has you know kids and young people uh, from very, very different kind of cultural and ethnic backgrounds in it now playing for it is called after a racist. Yes, it does. You know, So these things change and, and we are at a moment in Ireland uh, when the idea that Irishness uh, and Irish identity are about being white, which is what Mitchell put forward. And also I was writing about, because I think it's also important to say that it's not just Mitchell. Mitchell's cause was taken up very much by one of the key founders of the state, Arthur Griffith, you know, who praised Mitchell exactly for what Mitchell had done and said, look, the great thing about what Mitchell did was he said, the Irish cause is not universal. It's not a humanitarian cause. You know, it's not some implication that Ireland should be free because, you know, we're equal to black people. Oh, my God, no. You know, we're, we're, we're much better than those kind of people. We're white. And the reason we should be free is because we're white. Now, again, the current context, right? Look at the far right in Ireland. Look at this sort of resurgence of a racist nationalism. That's exactly what it's saying, right? So, so this stuff is current. 
Uh, it's not just like going around looking for something um, in the past that we you know we need to dig up again. It 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 has been dug up. It is there, and and we have to deal with it. And actually, you could have very healthy process. I would have thought in those clubs about thinking about well, actually, should we rename our clubs? You know, what 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 is our identity now? How do we want to think about ourselves? And 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 the truth is that in Castle Bar or in Tralee or in in Waterford or in in Tipperary or wherever these clubs are, I mean, you can be guaranteed that that all of them, you know, are functioning really well in a multicultural context. You're in America right now. There has been response to your column here. There was a discussion on News Talk about it. And one of the clubs um, named after Mitchell is in Tralee, the John Mitchells, and the local county councillor, Sam Locke, uh, was on the breakfast show this week. And he said... You know, he's asked, should the club be renamed? And he said, no, because it would have repercussions for the area because, you know, there's a, a Mitchell's Avenue. There's several other roads named after, you know, because the, the John Mitchell's is a huge club, but a massive presence in the community. So obviously there'd be roads named after it. And he said the mood in the locality is that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. People condemn Mitchell's association with slavery. Of course they do. That goes without question. But, and he said, it's pointless rewriting history now. What do you make of that? Well, you see, it's not rewriting history because this is the thing that's said all the time, you know, you're rewriting history. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the rewriting of history, um, is ignoring the historical fact, right? You, you know, uh, you, the rewriting of history is to sort of say, oh no, well, Mitchell was only an Irish national hero and all the stuff that he did, um, from the 1850s onwards, you know, in the, in the second half of his political life, uh, which was as a, very prominent champion of racial inequality, of slavery, of violence against black people. Remember, I mean, Mitchell didn't just say uh, it's okay to hold slaves. He said it's okay to torture them, uh, to keep them in line. You know, it's okay. He was a big advocate of flogging, uh, which is torture of, of slaves. Uh, he was a big advocate, not just even of the status quo in the American South, but he wanted to reopen the slave trade, you know, start kidnapping people in Africa again and bringing them over, you know, um, is a very, very extreme figure. And, uh, you know, my, my point really is that these debates n- need to happen, right? It's not, I, I, I can't decide what people want to call their clubs in the end, you know, that's for them. Mm. It, 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 this is a, a, an open process of discussion. Uh, but I think it would be very positive in all those communities and particularly in all those clubs, you know, to actually have those debates and, and have it open, right? So it's not for me, but also I don't think it's for, you know, one councillor to say, well, you know, we, we keep all this because it will be a bit too awkward to change it, you know. Um, you know, the, the, I think it'd be a very healthy process of open discussion about this mm. stuff. If, if people but, have an open discussion and decide that they, they want to keep the names um, and they're comfortable with all that, well, you know, that's, 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 their, that's their choice. But we do need to have a discussion about it. Just take it out of academics then for a while, because um, you, you may know that recently Dublin City councillors, they're calling for an audit of street names in Dublin that are named after, you know, British aristocrats and landlords and slave owners. And they rejected uh, proposals to name a new apartment complex in the inner city as Gardner Court due to uh, the names tie with Charles Gardner, who we're now starting to understand uh, was was engaged with the slave trade. 
and that it was proposed by independent councillor Niall Ring. And he said, you know, it would cause huge confusion if we start going through all the street names in Dublin and changing them. But some of the more obvious ones which jump out, we've we've got the obvious ones, the kings and queens names, he said. But like, isn't that a bit selective? You said about, you know, the oppression of uh, a student, a black student, maybe going into the, the, the Woodrow Wilson Hall. But, you know, Irish people walk down Grafton Street and, and, you know, Westmoreland Street, all these names that are symbols of colonial oppression. Why don't you change the whole shooting match? Well, yeah, OK, well, why not have that discussion? I mean, what's, what's wrong with it? You know, I, I mean, mm. why do we fetishise things like street names? You know, um, we've changed. I mean, O'Connell Street, for example, was not always O'Connell Street. You know, O'Connell Street was Sackville Street. It's now O'Connell Street. I mean, what's, you know, what, P- Pierce yeah. Street was Brun- Brunswick Street. We, we've already changed a lot of names, you know. Uh, sure. This is so you know the, the the idea somehow that oh this is all wokery and you know it's all mm. kind of you know snowflakes you know mm. intellectual stuff that's just just emerging now. There has always been and always will be a process in every society about thinking about you know what w- what things are named about statues. We blew up and took away a lot of statues. You know, the same argument would say that we should we should still have the statue of, uh, the statue of Queen Victoria outside <laughs> yeah. Leinster House, you know, or whatever. Mm. Uh, we, you know, we, we took down a lot of statues. Um, you mm. know, we, we 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 renamed a lot of streets. In a way, perhaps the extraordinary thing is we renamed so few. You know, but you know, it's all about context. You know, so the the thing we need to say with all this stuff is there is no hard and fast rule. There is no. Doesn't, you cannot be consistent about this, right? So to take the obvious examples, go back to George Berkeley. Is the city of Berkeley in California going to change its name? Because it's named after him too. No, it's not. Well, first of all, it's too difficult, right? Sometimes it's just too difficult. Uh, uh, the, the, you, the Berkeley campus, um, you know, of the University of California is not going to rename itself, right? Uh, I, or I would be very surprised if it does. Partly because nobody knows why it's named after Berkeley. Right. So that Berkeley has no connection with it whatsoever, except that he wrote a poem about uh, westward the course of empire takes its way. And when they were founding the Berkeley campus in the 1860s or whatever, some, you know, somebody thought oh, they love this poem and they thought you know, they would name it after him. Most, so it's not the, the name there probably has almost no real connection to Berkeley. Right. Um, whereas in Trinity, of course, it does. You know, it's a very real because he that's he was one of the founders of the Trinity Library, really, you know, and he, he was a huge figure in the history of the college. So uh, I think the question with a lot of these street names in, in Dublin is, you know, do people know, if they think about Westmoreland Street, do, do they know that it's named after a slaver? Uh, does it have that connotation? Um, and, and of course, the problem is, that, uh, it's certainly true that the more you know, the more difficult it gets, right? So uh, if you decide to investigate and think about these things, uh, then of course you have problems. I suppose if you were to take my own argument about Mitchell and Arthur Griffith to its logical conclusion, I mean, I live just off Griffith Avenue in Dublin, right? Should should Griffith Avenue be renamed? Because actually, um, Griffith was an anti-Semite. You know, he published a lot of vile anti, anti-Semitic stuff in The United Irishman uh, in the early part of the 20th century. He, you know, completely lauded Mitchell's racism. You know, he had no problem with saying that uh, actually Irish identity... 
uh, is nothing to do with the equality of races or, or, or you know, being, being, being fair and nice to everybody. It's just about the fact that we're white. Um, you know, should, should Griffith's name be taken off Griffith Avenue? I, I, well, could I ask you to answer your own question? Can, can, should he? Should, should it be called something else? Well, you see, again, it's, it's about context, isn't it, right? So the difference between Mitchell and Griffith, to be quite frank, is that Mitchell is not an important figure in the foundation of the state. And Griffith is, right? You know, there, there are reasons to acknowledge Griffith's importance to contemporary Ireland, right? Whether people like him or dislike him, you cannot get around the fact that he's one of the, he's the founder of Sinn Féin, he's one of the key figures in the negotiation of the Anglo-Irish Treaty, you know, he's a, he's a critical figure in the establishment of the state that we now live in. Uh, so, you know, there's a very good argument for saying, well, actually, you, you've got to keep that stuff. It's different from Westmoreland, for example, about where nobody even knows who the hell the guy is, right? So, you know, what, what, why does it matter? Um, it, it, so, I, you know, to be quite frank about this, a lot of this is to do with, with what's possible and what's, 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 what's feasible, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I have some sympathy with the argument that says that actually we don't do it when it just becomes illogically... Too hard. But there are still very good cases for, for, for doing it where... Where doing so reflects a process, right? So it's all about a process and about a context. You know, is there a process of of genuine engagement and consultation and openness and and deliberation? Uh, and it's really up to the communities uh, to do this. But again, you know, I mean, um, the, the, like near where I live was a place called Ballymun Avenue. Uh, which was a nice middle-class road. Uh, people changed the name, the local people changed the name of Ballymun Avenue to Glasnevin Avenue because they didn't want it to be associated with Ballymun. <laughs> you know? So, you know, let, let's not get up on our high horses about this. Oh, you can't change names. You know, pe- people mm. do it for different reasons all the time. Okay, finally, I'm going to put you on the spot now, Fintan. Um, you've watched name changes in Princeton where you are. The Berkeley has been denamed. What do you think it should be called? I think a very good name would be the Mary Robinson Library, for example. Uh, if you want to reflect somebody who uh, very much associated with Trinity, was the senator for, for Trinity College, uh, a huge figure for uh, the liberation of women in Ireland. And given the fact that Trinity is still um, struggling with its own sexist legacy and the fact that the portraits it has in its libraries, the busts of great thinkers and artists it has in its libraries are nearly all of men. Either Mary Robinson or Evan Boland um, would be, would be uh, very, very appropriate figures. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including columnist Fintan O'Toole, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back soon.